This morning we're in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10 uh, is where we find ourselves this morning, and we'll, we're continuing on here in this second chapter. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. So if you found your place, if you'd uh, stand with me and follow along as I read. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Beginning in verse 6 of chapter 2. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Verse 9, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10, And ye are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for uh, the instruction that we receive from it. We pray that we may uh, uh, be able to understand these things that that You have for us here this morning in these verses. And we pray Your blessing upon this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus Christ is is important to many religions around the world, even those who don't claim to be Christian. Most religions at least recognize Jesus as a, as a teacher, uh, maybe a wonderful teacher, or possibly even the best teacher ever. And of course, he's a, a worthy role model as, he, as his life was beyond reproach. And his impact on history is unmistakable and generally admired. Only those who are totally unlearned do not believe that Jesus ever existed. The problem comes in when these religions and and certain and these religious people are confronted with the precise teachings of the Word of God and the actual uh, teachings of Jesus Christ Himself on who He was and who He claimed to be. Basically, as we get into the Scriptures and we went through the Gospel of John and we saw what Jesus claimed of Himself, that He's not just a wonderful teacher. He's not just a role model. The Scriptures cannot be misunderstood when they're taken at face value. That Jesus truly is divine. And when I use the word divine, I'm talking about the fact that He is God Himself, and that He's the Son of God, God the Son, And that only through His death and resurrection can anyone find salvation. The religions of the world, they come to those claims and then they balk at these things just as the false teachers did 
in Colossae. Remember, in the, in so far as we've looked here in Colossians, uh, we've seen Paul's teaching on some wonderful Christian doctrines. Uh, he's talked about faith. He's talked about love. He's talked about giving thanks. He's talked about redemption and forgiveness. Uh, the preeminence of Christ, which I believe is the, the uh, theme of this letter. Uh, the reconciliation uh, that Christ uh, provided for us that we've seen here in chapter 1. We've seen the, the church as a mystery. And then as we got, got into chapter 2, uh, last time Paul began to be specific about those false teachers. Uh, the false teachers that had come in, that, that have come to be known as the Gnostics. They were the ones, the, the, uh, uh, these so-called Christians, and I, I say so-called, they called themselves Christians, but they believed that their teaching superseded that of the Apostle Paul, that of the other writers of Scripture. And they, their teaching was, was, uh, was there to bring about a more spiritual Christian. Because if you followed their teachings, you would be more spiritual, more knowledgeable. And, uh, and so Paul, in, in these first five verses of chapter 2, remember he talked about uh, don't be enticed by their beguiling, their deceitful words. Uh, don't listen to them, in other words. We know that even today there are those who uh, are very persuasive in their teaching and are able to uh, draw men and women, boys and girls, away from the truth that is in the Word of God. And that's what these false teachers were doing in, in that first century there in Colossae as well. And so Paul... Paul was very specific as he began to be specific there, and he continues to be specific as he is going to be warning against the different false teachings of these Gnostics. And we'll get into to one of those things here this morning in verse 6 here pretty quick. And so we start out here in verses 6 and 7, and we look at the walk of the believer. The walk of the believer. Verse 6, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Notice the reception here. He starts out there, and this is verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ. When you see the word therefore, and, and what I'm saying here is nothing new, everybody says this, and so I'm stealing it from who knows exactly where, we don't know, because everybody just seems to say this. When you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Okay? And what he's doing is, what he's telling us is to, to go back and review and summarize what has been said and from that summary, therefore, do so and so. And so as we looked at verses 4 and 5, remember, he talked about don't, not being deceived by these silver-tongued, uh, persuasive false teachers. 
But remember, stay in your military formation there from verse 5. Stay in your military formation. Don't give any room for the enemy to budge you. Now, of course, how did they get into their military formation, their strong military formation in the first place? It was, as he says here in verse 6, by receiving Christ Jesus the Lord. And that's where we come to here, receiving. The word receive, uh, again, this word can be a little confusing because, you know, as, as we grew up in church and going to uh, good Bible preaching and teaching churches, we've heard the words, you know, receive Christ, receive. We've heard these words ever since we were children. I know I have. Uh, and so we're thinking, it's, well, well, I understand what it means, but, but somebody who isn't as familiar with uh, these things could be a little bit confused with what it means to receive the Lord Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus the Lord as it says here. Two things that, uh, that we need to notice about this word receive. First, uh, it's talking about anyone who has received Christ has received Him by faith. So to receive Christ Jesus the Lord means to receive Him by faith. Remember back, I'm going to turn to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 12. John's here writing, he says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on His name. So to receive Him means to believe on Him. That's the idea. And, and it doesn't mean anything else but to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Putting our faith in Christ. So when we say, receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saying, believe on Him. Place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, this word has the meaning of uh, to learn as from a teacher. To learn as from a teacher. These believers at Colossae had learned about Christ from teachers like Epaphras that we believe is probably the pastor of the church uh, as mentioned over in chapter 1 verse 7 uh, and possibly others as well. Uh, he, what he's saying is do not forget what these good, godly men and women have taught you over the years. And of course, many of us who have grown up in church, we can go back and we can remember, oh, Sunday school teacher, so-and-so. I can remember them like it was yesterday and they taught me and they taught me and they taught me and they tried to teach me and some things just wouldn't get through these, this thick skull. But uh, they, they taught and they taught and then the pastors have taught and taught and so forth. And, uh, uh, and I think I mentioned that my dad was a pastor and uh, my dad preached many sermons that I sat through. And sad to say, I remember one of them. I remember one, and I will never forget it. It was uh, 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 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, being thrown into the fiery furnace. And someday I'll probably, I might preach that, so I don't want to give you the, the, the gist of, of that great sermon, because uh, it was a great sermon. I remember that, and I'll never forget that sermon. Uh, 
But, but there's other things that I can remember and things that you can remember from past Sunday school teachers or pastors that have, have taught you and think, I need to remember that. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Remember that good preaching and teaching that you've heard and don't forget those things because you've received those things. I can remember as a boy, we went to Victory Baptist Church and had a Sunday school teacher named uh, Mrs. Harris. I don't know what her first name was, but she was just always Mrs. Harris. And I think, I'm not sure on this, I think she might have been a retired school teacher, but I'm not sure on that. Do you, do you even remember her, Bruce? Okay, because I was, it was fifth or sixth grade, and we had moved down to Arkansas for a year, moved back when I was in fifth grade, and so I went into her class uh, uh, when we came back and started going back to the church there, and it was Mrs. Harris. She was an old, like I said, she's an older lady. I think she was uh, probably uh, a retired school teacher, but she taught our Sunday school class. And uh, I can remember, that was the first time I could remember hearing and being taught about uh, that God is omniscient, that He's omnipotent, that He's omnipresent. Those three omnis. And I can remember Mrs. Harris was a Sunday school teacher that taught me those things. That's the first time I remembered hearing it. I might have heard it before, like I said, and, and I just couldn't get it through this thick school. But I can remember learning that in Sunday school from, from her. And so, but these are things that we can look back and we can remember. I remember that. I remember learning it. I can remember another Sunday school teacher when I was, I think it was the class before, uh, Mr. Biggs. You, I'm sure you remember him because they were good friends with our family. Uh, Mr. Biggs. And of course, uh, like, like most boys, I was uh, uh, saying things and cutting up in class and, and things like that, to trying to distract everybody. And uh, one time Mr. Biggs said, uh, this is, remember, they didn't call me Robert when I was a little boy, they called me Bobby. Uh, Bobby, uh, if you don't quiet down, I'm going to have to go get your dad. Boom! <laughs> I was done. <laughs> I was done. No more saying anything that day. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so I, I, can, I can look back at my, at my, uh, Grade school years and remember some of my Sunday school teachers and things that that we uh, that we learned in those classes. But but the thing is, we need to remember these things. We've received these things. We've been taught these things from good Bible teachers and and preachers and so forth. We've learned them, and we need to hang on and remember them. Don't forget what they have taught you. But notice here, one of the, the main things that Paul says that they've, they, that they've been taught, Christ Jesus the Lord. You've received Christ Jesus the Lord. And he, he's saying this in a, in a very, what we might say, a different way. Uh, I have it in here somewhere, I thought. Oh, here, I finally found it in my notes here. Literally, it's, the Christ, comma, Jesus the Lord. The Christ, the Messiah, 
Jesus the Lord. And he's saying this in a, in a different, strange kind of way on purpose. Because remember, those Gnostics, those false teachers had come in and they were teaching wrong things. And so Paul is, is trying to meet head on two prominent forms of the Gnostic heresy. First, about the person of Christ Himself. That Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah. And as you go through the Old Testament, and of course in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we can find that the Messiah, all the Jewish people knew, the Messiah was to be the son of who? Who was the Messiah going to be the son of? The son of David. The son of David. He's going to be from the descendants of David. Okay, they knew that. And because that's what the Old Testament said, and people in the New Testament, in the Gospels, they understood that. And so, Jesus, in the, in the genealogies, we find that Jesus is a descendant of David. He's of the tribe of Judah and a descendant of David. There's, there's no problem with that. But you see, the Gnostics, some of the Gnostic teaching was that Jesus was not really human. Well, Jesus is the Christ, meaning the Messiah, the descendant of David. He was a real human. He was a real human. Okay? And so he's, he's uh, uh, making sure he's, he's refuting that part of, of the heresy. And then there's that other part of the heresy that, well, Jesus wasn't really God. See, some of them believe that Jesus wasn't really human. Some of them believe that Jesus wasn't really God. And what does he say? Christ, Jesus, the Lord. The Lord means God. That Jesus is God. Okay? And so he's man and he's God. And so Paul is making it very clear here of these Gnostic teachings. They're both wrong. Jesus was a man. He was descended from David. And He's truly God Himself. He's the God-man. And that's who Jesus is. And again, there are uh, cults today that have problems in these areas. And so what the devil brought up, basically we know this is all coming from the devil, that the false teaching, either people are just don't know that they're teaching false doctrine, or they are knowingly teaching false doctrine, whichever it is, it's coming from the devil himself because it's not coming from the Word of God. And so, what the devil did in the first century, guess what? He hasn't learned anything new. He's still doing it here in the 21st century. 2,000 years later almost, he's still teaching these false doctrines or getting people to teach them. Some people believe, no, Jesus wasn't really a human. And some, well, no, Jesus wasn't really God. And that's how you know whether someone is a cult or not. It's by what do they do with Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, because we have these, and I could give you a whole list of them. I've got them in my, uh, in my files back home. Uh, a pamphlet that is entitled The Spirit of Truth and the spirit of error. And it, it's basically a list of about 10 common day cults that are, that are very well known 
uh, and some are like Jehovah's Witnesses and some like that, that teach that Jesus either isn't really God or that He really wasn't human. And so they're, they're trying to do the same false teachings still today. And so the devil isn't doing anything brand new. It's, it's the same old lies that he's brought up again and again and again. And so Paul is here refuting that very clearly. Christ Jesus the Lord. He's man, 100% man, 100% God. He's the God-man. And we need to make sure that we do not forget these truths that you were taught about. Jesus Christ the Lord. So Jesus, we know, has, has from eternity past always been God and always will be God. We know that when uh, He took on humanity in the incarnation there, and so was God in the flesh, what, what we call God incarnate, Jesus was never a lesser God, okay? He never grew into being God. He's always been God 100%. He is the eternal God, according to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, one of those uh, uh, Christmas verses that we use sometimes, Isaiah 9, 6, Ma- Micah chapter 5, and verse 2, that very clearly talk and tell us that the Messiah is going to be the one who is eternal God. He's going to be a descendant of David, human, and He's also going to be eternal God always been eternal God. He's not getting... If, if Jesus could get any better, that means more like God, well then that means before He wasn't like God in some form or fashion. And that's never been true. If Jesus steps away from being like God, gets lesser than God, then Jesus isn't God. Because Jesus cannot change. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Scriptures tell us. And so, Jesus Christ is eternal God. Always has been. Always will be. He's not changed in that area. Then in in verse 7, He gives us some illustrations here. He gives us some illustrations of the Christian life. He says, "...rooted and built up in Him..." and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. And so he's giving us some pictures. The first picture is the word, uh, excuse me, at the end of verse 6, the first picture is, is walk ye in Him. Uh, it's, it's a picture of a pilgrim. And when I say a picture of a pilgrim, I don't mean a Thanksgiving pilgrim because that's usually what, what comes to our mind here in America. In the United States, we think of the, of the thanks, first Thanksgiving pilgrims and, and all this kind of stuff. And that's not what I'm talking about. But a pilgrim in the Bible was someone who walked everywhere. They walked from place to place. And believers... It says here are always to walk in the Lord. Walk in Him. Walk in the Lord. How a believer is to walk is important in this in this letter. Uh, <clears throat> look at chapter one and verse ten. Chapter one, verse ten. 
It said that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So walk worthy. And then in chapter 3 and verse 7, chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, In the which ye also once walked when ye lived in them. It says, This is how ye used to. This is how you used to walk in the past before becoming a Christian. Don't walk that way anymore. And we'll get into that when we get to chapter 3. And then chapter 4 and verse 5, uh, it says, walk in wisdom. And so we'll get into all these different, different things that we see here about how to walk as a Christian. But here it says, walk in Him. Walk in Him. Uh, and the, the it's in the present tense, and the Greek present tense means do it now. It's supposed to be true now, and just continue on into the future. So it's not just now, and don't worry about the future at all. But it's true now, and continue on into the future. So we started by faith in the God-Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So keep walking by faith in Him. And so that's that first, first little illustration. The second illustration is in verse 7 there of a tree where it says rooted, rooted in Him. Again, it's that present tense in the Greek, which means once and for all having been rooted and continue to be rooted into the future. And as we think of roots, usually we think of a tree or something like that, or maybe our, our gardens, and we know the plants grow down and have roots into the ground. And uh, we know with their roots that they draw up nourishment from the ground, and it helps them to, to be strong and to grow and so forth. And that's the idea as well. Make sure that our roots are into the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that we are gaining our nourishment from the Lord Jesus Christ, daily from the Lord. And we know that roots also give stability and strength. We uh, here recently, uh, up in the uh, state of Iowa, and I think it might have started maybe in Nebraska or somewhere, went through Iowa and into Illinois. Did you hear about that big wind that they had? Uh, and we saw... Uh, on uh, YouTube or something like that. It was a video of somebody's uh, doorbell camera out there front door and it showed what happened with that wind coming through their, their neighborhood in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And the destruction and the wind, it just was unbelievable. It was basically like uh, uh, a tornado that just kept on going and going and going. So, similar to what I'm supposing a hurricane is like. I've never been in a hurricane, been, been around with a lot of tornadoes here in the Midwest, but never been through any hurricanes. But I can just imagine, that's what it was. That it was just these strong winds that just kept going and going. And every once in a while it looked like it was about to calm down. And then all of a sudden you just see another big old strong wave. You could see the, what the wind was doing, tearing trees down and so forth. Just unbelievable. And of course these people had in their front yard this, this evergreen type tree. 
and uh, you couldn't see the house on the other side of the street because the, the trees in the way but by the end of the video guess what you can see the house on the other side because that tree is gone it is completely it's just just it's just unbelievable but some of the trees somehow made it through now they all had damage but some of them were still standing it was just unbelievable and it's because they had these strong roots that went down into the ground to give them strength and stability and we need to make sure that we are getting our strength and stability for this life in our savior the lord jesus christ we go to a third a third illustration there in verse 7 not only rooted but also built up in him so this third illustration is a building a building this is an architectural word here that uh, is talking about a lifelong process of building our lives in Christ it's not just until we're 18 and then we're 18 well I don't have to worry about that it's not just till we're 21 or not just till we finally get married or not just until we we have our children and they're out of the house or it's not just until I become a grandparent it's a life long thing a lifelong endeavor until I die kind of thing that's the idea until I die kind of thing. So we need to be built up in Him. Built up in Him. And then the fourth illustration is, uh, it says there, as ye have been taught. As ye have been taught. And so the illustration is that of a school. And of course they were taught by Epaphras, their pastor. They have been taught the gospel they've been taught the word of god and we need to make sure again this is one of those present tense things that we never leave the schoolhouse of learning the word of god we're always to be a student of the word of of the word of god we never come to the point that we don't need to learn something from the Word of God. We always need to keep learning from the Word of God. And so make sure that whether you've been a Christian for one year, five years, ten years, fifty years, as I mentioned uh, for me, some of you have been Christians for even longer than that. We never should come to the point where we say, I don't need to learn anymore from the Word of God. We should never come to that point because we always need to be learning about the Word of God. We never graduate from this school of learning. And then the last one there in, in verse 7, it's the illustration of a river abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding. And the word abounding there is literally super abounding or overflowing and the idea there is overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness thankfulness again it's that present tense kind of thing it's now and keep on doing it 
And of course, we know in our society today, it seems like we see less and less of this attitude of gratefulness, attitude of thankfulness. It just is not there. We're more and more selfish all the time. And we're not thankful for what we have. That is a picture of our culture today like very few others. And I know I've looked into 2 Timothy chapter 3 where it talks about the end times where people are going to be unthankful. And folks, that's where we are at. People are unthankful today in our culture. So the Christian here is to walk, to be rooted, to be built up, to be taught, to be overflowing with gratitude. And so what we need to do is stop and think, well, how am I doing on these things? How am I doing? How am I doing on my Christian walk, my Christian life? Am I rooted in the Word of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ? Built up, being taught, overflowing with gratitude. You know, these are all illustrations for us. And they're not here just to, to fill up uh, some ink on a, on, on a page here. These are illustrations for us. How am I doing with those kinds of things? There once was a man who had become a new believer. And he had just been a believer for just a short time, a week or so, and he came back and told the pastor, he said, the Christian life is wonderful. The Christian life is wonderful. And the pastor said something to the effect of something like, that's understandable. And then a few weeks went by and the the man came back and said to the pastor, the Christian life is a little bit more difficult than I thought. The pastor said, that's understandable. Then a few months went by and the man said to the pastor, the Christian life is too hard. I can't do it. And the pastor said, that's understandable. You see, when we first come to know Christ as Savior, we're we're living on the mountaintop. Everything seems to be wonderful. And then, the enemy starts showing up and things turn a little bit more difficult. And then we come to realize that the enemy is too strong. I can't do it on myself. And the pastor told the man, this is exactly where God wants you. He wants you to realize that you cannot live the Christian life on your own. You can't do it. It is too hard for you. But I'm here, but the Lord is here with you. And He wants you to rely on Him to deal with the enemy and all the difficulties in life. Because see, the Lord is the only one who can defeat the enemies. Our three enemies, 
the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's the only one who can defeat them. We can't. But He can. It's going back to a verse like Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, I don't live in this world by my own strength. I live by my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's basically what Paul is saying here in verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Walk in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your encouragement as we've been able to look at these illustrations that Paul has here for us. Illustrations of our Christian life. Lord, I pray that we would see that Yes, the Christian life is too difficult for us. We can't do it on our own. We need to do our best, but we need to rely on You. We thank You for each one here. We pray if there's any that do not know Christ as Savior, that they might realize their need and come to know Christ today. And Lord, those who have trusted Christ, Lord, that we might draw near to You, that we might be, as it says here, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, that we've been taught and that we are abounding with thanksgiving. Lord, I pray that these things would be true of us. We thank You for our Savior. We thank You for all that He's done for us and all that He continues to do for us today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.